this week. So that was a real turning point for me where I had to like accept the fact that like Christianity and the understanding that I had of God just couldn't, I couldn't go back to that anymore. And I just remember like looking up to the sky and being like, you're really not there. And it was such a huge shock for me. Rachel Hearn was a devout Christian when a high school history class on the historical Jesus led her down a path of spiritual questioning and away from her Christian faith. But instead of disappearing from her life, faith and spirituality became more important to her than ever. Rachel and I talk about her swing from Christian to atheist and how her years of personal exploration have landed her somewhere in between. She shares her passion for asking life's big questions and how she puts faith in the process of change. And she reflects on how spirituality has become foundational to how she builds relationships and finds community. Because how do you find your center when you've given up what you believe? You find a little faith. I'm Marin Smith, and this is Keeping Faith. Keeping Faith is located on the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabek people in Hamilton, Ontario. And Rachel Hearn lives on Anishinaabek territory in Clinton, Ontario. So my first question to you is, what is giving you hope right now? Is there a story from your life recently that has made you think about your sense of faith or hope? Um... I guess just thinking um, about how there's so many things left to learn. Sometimes you can get into a bit of a hole where you're thinking like, oh my gosh, is this all there is or something? And um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go watch a new YouTube video or check out a new podcast or something and and I'll learn something totally new and think about something in a way that I hadn't before. And um it instills like a fresh sense of hope that like, oh, okay, you know, all of these things that we don't have answers for, or we're frustrated about, maybe there is some kind of solution to them that we're just not aware of right now. Recently, like yesterday and today, I've been on a goop lab binge. (laughs) I'm just recently discovering that. Yeah. And so I was um, listening to one, uh, one of the podcast episodes on intuition and like, how to be more in in tune with your own intuition. And um, yeah, just giving myself, it was giving me the permission to listen to, you know, those feelings that you initially have that you find out later on were right. And um, and, uh, yeah, and I feel like in my lifetime, and again, that that has been correct. And so, uh, yeah, it was like instilling a sense of hope in me that I don't have to keep making these mistakes over and over again. And that um, the right answer or like something that you're going to feel good about is actually, you already know it. It's already there for you. Yeah. Do you find that, um, when you're struggling with something in your life that finding sort of that outside source or example is really important to help you like keep going? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
yeah, whenever I'm struggling with something or a certain topic, yeah, learning about other people who went through the same thing as me or who are wondering the same thing about a topic that I'm concerned about, hearing people talk about it and discuss it or seeing real life examples of that issue being dealt with um, definitely helps either calm me or instills a sense of hope in me that, okay, like the world is in good hands kind of thing. Yeah. That speaks very much to the the idea of, like, living in sort of community, even if, like, the person that you're listening to is far away, or has community always been important to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I grew up in a a big family. I had three brothers and and my two parents. And um, beyond that, I had... um, I grew up in a in a Christian community. We went to church every Sunday. That was a big thing. And um, at school, like, I had a very tight-knit, close group of friends. Um, yeah, I feel like I was surrounded by little groups of communities my whole life, and it was, like, a big part of how I grew up. Um, and I always sought out opportunities where community building was a big thing yeah like I would go to different youth group retreats or I was part of the Ontario Youth Parliament I was in a choir a youth choir and a children's choir and like those were all environments where you know young people were invited to come together and get to know each other and bond up and and talk about issues and and be there for each other so yeah that those were like you know I really sought that out um a lot throughout my whole like growing up and into now as well. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about your life growing up and what were you taught about faith and hope as a part of your family? So um, being raised in a Christian family, there was like, there was definitely this teaching of like, your life is in God's hands and like trust that God has a plan for you. um, And that God is always looking out for you. Um, And my mom really loved to make the analogy that like your life is like um like a rug and we can only see the the back like the back of the rug how it looks all messy and the threads are hanging out and it looks terrible and we have no idea what's going on but god can see the other side of the the rug and it's beautiful and it's a masterpiece that makes so much sense so um so that was kind of like the image that i grew up with and um yeah so i I always just kind of like had this underlying belief that there was an entity unknown and unseen to me that was always looking out for me and like had this written plan for my life and that I could always trust that whatever was happening was was intentional, I guess. So that was sort of the context that I was raised in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did that feel for you? Was that a struggle for you to accept? Did it feel very natural? Was it comforting? Was it, how did that idea that there was something else that had a plan for you resonate with you growing up? Growing up, it was really comforting. Like, yeah, I feel like when I think of who I was back then, when I had those beliefs, I was such a person at peace. I felt like such a sense of purpose. I really felt like I belonged in the machine of life and like, um, things made a lot of sense and there was like this very neat understanding of how things worked and like this system that you could kind of fit into it was very comforting and like 
it was like the answer to everything for me. So whenever my friends at school were struggling with like their parents or their home life or any type of situation, their their social situation at school, like I would always try and come with them, come to them and be like, yo, like, don't even worry. You know, God has a plan for you and like everything's going to be fine. Like um, someone is always looking out for you. You're never alone. You know, it's okay. Like someone always loves you and you don't have to worry about it or feel alone. Like that was, it was just very simple for me. Like it wasn't, I, I didn't really understand like why people would struggle to feel uh, loved or like would feel loneliness because yeah, for me it was just like this very easy understanding of like, there's someone there, it's all good, yeah. no worries kind of thing. So yeah. was there ever... Um like you talk, you're talking about your the faith that you were growing up in, then interacting with the outside world as well. Like, was there ever an issue there for you, or what were you taught about the world outside of the the community of believers that you were a part of? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it did get to the point where there were a couple of things that like went up against my beliefs that challenged me. Um, yeah, I would say my first really big uh, conflict with my belief set was, okay, well, there was a couple, um, some that like didn't, I didn't see as a conflict until later, but I guess mm. the first one that like I really had to piece through and was a struggle was like the idea of transgender people. Mm. <laughs> um, because uh, I remember initially thinking, what, why would anyone want to like change their body? Like God gave them this body, duh, that's the one they're supposed to have. Um, like you're going up against God's plan if you're trying to change that, you know? And then I went to this, um, okay, so uh, there's that. And meanwhile, in the background happening earlier in my life, um, my grandfather, I found out that my grandfather was gay when I was 10 years old and mom announced to the family hey grandpa is gonna marry ollie the man that has been coming to family christmas for the last couple years wow. <laughs> um and yeah and and we were like oh what like i didn't even know that you know men could love men women can love women you know um and mom was like okay so at the time it was like she said it as like, you know, we don't approve of like your grandpa, grandpa's decisions, but you know, he's family and, and we are going to be there to support family, which nowadays she disagrees with that teaching and like <laughs> things are different, but she was also still figuring out how she wanted to bring that teaching to her kids in a society that was like also against it. And like, she was working through that as well. So anyways, yeah. So I, because of that and the experience with my grandfather, I was like, you know, trying to learn more about like queerness and LGBTQ people and identities. And so I joined the Gay Straight Alliance at my high school. And that's when I was like learning about transgender people as well, because I had never encountered that concept before. Um, and uh, so I went with the GSA to this uh, conference where there was a couple speakers uh, and one of them was a transgender man who told us his story about coming out and his transition and everything. And he was so candid about his experience and explaining like how much he tried to be a woman and tried to live up to the expectations that people were putting on him and how much pain that put him in and how depressed he was. And like, he just got to the point where he's like, I really just can't do this anymore. Like I have to 
be this person. This is just who I, I'm meant to be. And now he's like so happy and like all of that is like put aside and he just feels at peace with himself and he can just move on with his life. And I was like, these people aren't lying. They're not trying to mess with God's plan. Like literally this is how they're feeling. And like, they're so much happier now that they are who they, who they feel they are. And I was like, why did I feel like I could say that this is God's plan? But then I was also super confused. Why would God put someone in a body that like they didn't feel like was the right one? I'm like, um, yeah, so things got really confusing from there on, like in terms of my faith. I started questioning a lot of what I believed. And I was learning lots of things in school about the Bible and Christianity as a as religion through history that made me think like, what the heck is going on with this? Um yeah, like I remember being in class, in history class in grade 10 or 11, and we learned, we did a class on the historical Jesus. And, um, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. And so, and that class went like, there was this man who like taught about, you know, like had all, he was a Jew, he did all these teachings and and, and was like a prophet and, and like came around and, and the Romans were really mad at him because he was like speaking against the government and uh, and he was eventually uh, crucified. And that was the end of the story. And I was like, I put up my hand and I said like, so what about like when he came back to life after? And my teacher, my poor teacher had to be like, um, so there's actually no verifiable historical evidence to prove the resurrection of Christ. Um, yeah, there just aren't enough like accounts of that happening that are that we can use as reliable evidence to prove that that was a historical event. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just remember being like, what? Like the resurrection wasn't real? What do you mean? And there were just so many things. And I was in anthropology class and like learning about, um, you know, how there are all these different skulls and how like humans have evolved from like Australopithecus afarensis to like, you know, Homo sapiens and, and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking like, okay, you know, wow, we've really changed a lot. And like, you know, the question about the dinosaurs, <laughs> all of those things, I went through all of that. So eventually in grade 12, I did my uh, final English um, project on dynamics of faith, people who came to faith and people who left their faith and like, why did they do those things? And when I was doing my research for people who left their faith, I read this story, this memoir of a, a man who is an evangelical, uh, he was an evangelical preacher who is now like a world's leading, one of the world's leading atheists. Um, and just his story of like him coming out of his faith. And, and as I was reading his story and his justifications for why he left Christianity, like all of those things just made sense to me. Like everything he was saying, I was like, yeah, this makes total sense. And like, I don't think I can honestly be a Christian anymore. So that was a real turning point for me where I had to like accept the fact that like Christianity and the understanding that I had of God just couldn't, I couldn't go back to that anymore. And I just remember like looking up to the sky and being like, you're really not there. You know, this person that looked after me all my life and had a plan for me, like wasn't there and didn't exist. And it was such a huge shock for me. Um, to have to process that and like from there I was like okay now where do I go <laughs> now now um now how does my life make sense and like what do I do so you know there were years of like just grief and obviously that grief is still with me if it can still bring me to tears to this day yeah. um 
but, um, you know, through lots of, like, personal searching and, and thinking and talking with other people who have experienced something similar to me, I've kind of realized, um, you know, like, those feelings that I had, even though, quote-unquote, that God never existed even when I was younger, I still believed that, and that hope was still there in me, and it was kind of like I created that for myself. So the person that was really there for me all along was me, you know? Mm. And in a way, you know, I, I, I'm I, not going to claim that there is something out there that's watching over us or has a plan for us. I don't necessarily even think that it's very helpful to think that, um, especially when bad, horrible things happen to people in their life. I think it's really terrible to tell people that, like, things happen for a reason and, like, this was a good thing to happen to you. I just... I'm not in a place where I feel like that is sh- something that should be told to people. Um, but I don't know. I just, I feel like, like I've experienced love between me and other people. And it's this force that goes around and exists. And I feel like that has always been there and will always be there. And in a way, that is the constant thing that I was experiencing and understanding as a child. And that is the thing that I believe in today. And although it's not as reliable as whatever it was that I believed in in the past, it's still there and it's still the thing that gives me hope. So, yeah. Because I also know you grew up in a small town, right? So... How did this realization that you came to affect your relationship with your family at the time? And then did it also affect your relationship in your community or with your friends at school or not? Um, So, yeah, there was a lot of adjustments to be made at that time. And they happened over uh, quite a period of time. So with my mom, I remember having to like come out to my mom and say, hey, mom, I'm an atheist. That's how I described it at the time. And uh, I just had to explain to her, like, I I just can't believe a lot of the things that Christianity is teaching or that version of Christianity that I was growing up in and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and so she said to me, um, I know that you're a good person. I know that you believe in love and that you believe in caring for other people. And to me, that is God. And that is, that is the calling of God. And like, that's all that matters to me. Mm-hmm. So she was very accepting of the fact that, you know, I was having a change of beliefs and like where my life was going in terms of my faith community. Um, yeah, she was like pretty accepting of it. And I think her faith has changed a lot because of mine as well. Like from some of the con- the conversations that we've had, I think some of her yeah, understandings of some aspects of Christianity have changed. Um, yeah, so that was a big thing. With my Nana, there was quite a shift as well. She, um, she's very, like, so she's Baptist and, like, has a very fundamentalist idea of the Bible and, and faith in Jesus as a personal savior and that kind of thing. And so for us, it was, for my Nana and I, it was very difficult to make that transition. Um, because she believes that, like, I'm going to hell when I die. <laughs> so it's, like, different, you know. Um, she And for her, like, she's sad because she she loves me so much and, like, wants me to go to heaven and, like, wants me to profess my, you know, acceptance of Jesus and, and all these things. Um, yeah, so for her, it's, like, hard for her. Um, but, yeah, but she can see that 
all of the teachings are still with me in a way. And like mm-hmm. the takeaway was from Christianity was love, was looking out for other people, was, you know, seeking justice, you know, that kind of stuff. So for that, I think she, she, she has like, has accepted that. And we just, we shifted our relationship to one where we like, we don't talk about it as much. And when we do, we're more like just accepting of the fact that like, we just have different ideas about, you know, certain things and that that's okay. So that was okay. And then in terms of my friends, I had some friends that I only one or two that were like very Christian. And then the, a lot of other ones either weren't very attached to their faith or didn't like, didn't have a faith or didn't follow any religion. And so it didn't change largely. Um, but I find, honestly, I find to this day that like, even though I'm not as starkly religious as I was, I still, you know, especially in terms of like finding a partner, but in terms of also finding close friends and people that I really connect with, if spirituality and religion and faith is not, is not a concept that they find important or interesting or is like a relevant topic to them, I have a harder time like connecting with those people than people who that's an important issue to them or an important topic. Whether those are people that are like very, like not very fundamentalistly religious, but like very much entrenched in their religious path or those who are like more open, like fluid in terms of what communities they're a part of. Um, I I feel like that's a uniting point for me with a lot of the people that are important in my life. So yeah, that's kind of interesting as well. Where do you think that comes from? Or why do you think that is? I guess just because my faith was so important to me, like has always been so important to me, whether it was me having that, having a faith or like me not having a faith. (laughs) I really like swung both ways and now I'm like somewhere in the middle. But because that topic is so important to me, I just connect better with people who that is an important topic to them. Um, Yeah, and I think a lot of different faiths are tackling the same issues and questions and although we might have different answers, like it's still interesting to talk through those things with them and, and experience a different viewpoint, I guess, as well. So Mm -hmm. what I find interesting about that is that you see different points of view on faith as something that's uniting rather than dividing. Yeah. And I'm curious if you can say more about that because we live in a world that is very interested in polarization now Mm -hmm. and pointing out polarization in our media and um, in our politics and stuff like that. Whereas I think it just strikes me that you see different points of view as a place to build a bridge almost. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about that. Um, I guess just for me... And it's, it's really going to depend. Like, I don't want to be that person that says, all religions are the same and, like, are looking at the same things and really just say the same things. Like, they say a lot of similar things, but you can't say that for every faith. And there are very important differences that should be acknowledged. Um, but in many of the religions or faith paths that I have encountered, they're at least, like, asking very similar questions or concerned with the same topics So when you're outside of that and you're in a world that is, I'm not really sure what they're concerned with. Money is an aspect. Happiness, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't spend my life outside of, you know, the questions of like faith and religion and spirituality. So I'm not, if that's not important to you, then I guess what's important to you is 
it's different for every person, but sometimes some people it's money, some people it's family, it's stability, but it's not always community. It's not always justice. It's not always, um, I don't know. Like, I just feel like a lot of the messages that I hear or that come up in religious communities. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the messages that come up in religious communities or the topics are similar. Like we're going to talk about justice today. We're going to talk about peace. We're going to talk about, um, yeah, a lot of the, the concerns are similar and I feel like outside of those spaces, those are not always being talked about unless you go to a space that's like intentionally designed for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I find interesting. And that is, I guess, some way that at least makes them similar Yeah, and can be uniting. So... So how did you start to seek out spaces like that? Because coming from, you know, the tight-knit community that you did and then moving to a larger space and going to university, how did you start to explore what you believe now or what you wanted to believe? Or how did you start to seek out those conversations about faith and spirituality that were important to you and that seemed to be quite at the core of who you are? Um, I guess there were a lot of different um environments that I explored so I did a lot of like online research in terms of like atheism first that was like my initial go-to because I wanted to like be firm in that and I wanted to like find where is the hope that comes from being in this context of no longer believing in a higher power like how have these people wrestled with you know being at peace um, so I did a lot of reading there, but I wasn't like engaged in any sort of like atheist or humanist communities at the time. Um, and then I got involved with, or I started seeking out the Unitarian Universalist Church because I, I heard about them, I think online or through a friend. I don't remember which came first, but um, they were described as like, like the United Church, but without God. <laughs> such a gross simplification of that but (laughs) um so I thought okay and since I was like raised in the United Church um I I thought okay maybe this is like a good middle ground and so when I started attending or like went to my first service I was like wow there are so many familiar aspects of my Christian community but without the pressure to believe in this certain created image of what a god was and like Jesus and all of those stories and like the structure that was built into Christianity. It was more fluid and we could ask lots of questions and different sorts of religious paths were accepted all in one place and that was really interesting to me so that was definitely a start for me um and then I also ended up doing an intern at the multi-faith center at University of Toronto where I was attending at the time and that was a really important experience for me in terms of interacting with people who were of a different faith than me because I grew up in a largely culturally homogenous area where everyone is either Christian or atheist but like secularly Christian um so yeah so that was really important for me like I was speaking to a lot of well I was speaking to a couple other like Muslim people and there were some like Christians but like Catholic so a different kind of Christian than I had like really grown up around 
and um, some Jewish people as well. Uh, I also made a friend who who is Sikh, and uh, that was really cool. Like, yeah, there was just a lot of different uh, interactions, and, and I learned a lot from the discussions that we had um, in our programming. So that was really important for me, too. And it was great because it was great to be around other people who like had a faith because I felt like I had been surrounded by a lot of people who faith and religion wasn't important to them. And so and, and in university, I feel like that's largely what's understood to be the norm is that like if you're smart enough to go to university and you're questioning everything, like why would you keep your religion? You know, <laughs> which is like not true for so many students who, you know, people who who are studying or learning. Um but it was great to be around people who were like, I want to be open-minded. I have lots of questions. I am here to learn, but I have this community and I feel like there's some value to this structure that I am a part of. Um, yeah. And that was, that was really great as well um, to under, like have other people who understand that, but who are also pursuing this like path of questioning as well. Um, yeah. What I am hearing again is like, from the very first thing that you said through the way you grew up to that part of your life, it was all about seeking out, intentionally seeking out community and intentionally seeking out discussions and trying to like build that for yourself. That is also the resource that you then use when you need support. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. It was very intentional. It was very much like, I have this gigantic hole in my life that I need to like at least understand if I can't fill you know um so yeah and I just wanted to even if there is that void in my life to know that other people experience that void as well is comforting (laughs) yeah so yeah what what does that give you can you say more about what makes it comforting um it's just comforting to know that we're all not alone in this and that if there's not that eternal being looking out for you, then we can at least be here to look out for each other, you know? So that is comforting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So in this journey, where would you say you've landed now from the kind of extremes that you talked about that you went to? So you went from your deeply Christian background to sort of flipping into this very strong research of atheism. Where do you find yourself on your spectrum now? Um, I'm still, like, not sure entirely. Uh, I feel like, um, I use the word God sometimes. I don't mean it in the sense that I used to. Um, but I think for me it just means, like, that expansive energy of the universe or that, like, constant, like, moving and changing of the universe and the passing of time. (laughs) And for me... Because change is always constant, like, that is the only thing that's constant, and that is the only thing we can rely on, that's what we can kind of see comfort in, I guess. Um, And the fact that, like, love is a real experience that people have, well, I have, I don't want to speak for other people, (laughs) I don't know, but, um, you know, people have communicated to me that it's real to them as well. Um, so yeah um and the fact that like we can be intentional in creating that and like and spreading that around um and taking part in that like that is something that you know brings me comfort now so yeah I would say I'm somewhere I'm I'm stuck between like not that I don't believe I don't I'm not like fully convinced and like strongly stuck in the position of 
like there's a void and there's nothing (laughs) there's no hope no one's looking out for us we can't put our trust in anything I'm not there but I'm but I, I I don't fully profess that like that we have a greater purpose or that there is a, a wider bigger um power it's it's still very complicated something that i'm still working through um and still discovering um yeah but for me i guess like i've landed somewhere that's like you know both intuition but also you know keep questioning but also trust what you feel is is right as well like there has to be a balance i think so that's kind of where I'm at and and that you can always make the choice to love and that that can be a comfort to you is kind of like where I land mm-hmm. yeah coming back to that idea of intuition that you talked about before, yeah for sure um so how has your journey through your faith life influenced what you want to create in your life now um yeah I guess so from all of that like both my Christian upbringing to sort of where I've landed now the thing that I guess has always been clear has just been like loving other people and like making sure that other people feel loved and supported and like that someone is there for them because that was such a huge part of like why the idea of God was such a draw to me and like made so much sense to me. Um, and if there's no provable way to say that there's a, an infinite being up there that does that for us, then then we can do that and that that's our job. And that's something that like I want to be intentionally involved in. Um So that's kind of like, yeah, my drive is to like always create those spaces and to create opportunities where people can love each other better. Um, Yeah, I have this dream of like being a counselor and working with um, especially young people um, and just being there for them if they felt like somebody wasn't or didn't understand them. Because I remember being in situations where like I felt so misunderstood or I felt like I wasn't accepted. I felt like my questions weren't welcomed and I and I just was at such a loss to understand myself. And it's so important that we have that someone there to, to say like, say whatever you need to say, whatever it is. And like, I'm going to be here to listen to you and, and help you with whatever that is. Um, And it can be anything like you don't have to fit into any kind of story that the world has already created. That's so important. And like, that's a a huge part of the work that I want to be doing in my life. Yeah. I'm curious as well, because I know that you're a singer and an artist in that way. Is that also in any way connected to your journey uh, with your faith? Yeah, I would say so singing. Um, so it was just a part of my family growing up uh, and I never really had any sort of like understanding about why that was important to me or why what drew it to me um, but uh, I remember hearing like reading this thing about how when people sing together and they sing the same thing um, their hearts beat at the same time at the same rate and I'm like that's the cutest thing ever both that's very cute but it's also um I feel like it's a proof that, you know, there is some sort of, like, unity there in terms of, like, I feel like it proves that there's some sort of way that we can be connected to each other and that, um, for me, that is that sort of, like, love or that energy that flows through the universe that unites us in a way or that we all experience. And it's, like, singing is an intentional, like, okay, we're going to stand together and do this thing together and, like, experience it together. It's, like, an intentional way of, of being united. And then a lot of what people sing about are the things in life that are meaningful or big for us. So then when we come together to 
sing about these things or sing in celebration of these things or, you know, for whatever reason, it's like an intentional way of building community with our bodies and our minds that sort of unites both like all of the aspects of what we're capable of doing and then uniting that with multiple people is like such an amazing way to create community and and spread love in a way uh if that's what you think um, <laughs> so yeah so that I think is connected to the work that I want to do it's it's just a way of exercising that differently I guess yeah yeah that's really interesting um I want to go back a little bit to when you were talking about when you were in your late teens and you kind of had that experience of like okay if this thing that I've thought my whole life I'm now totally doubting how did you deal with that feeling of doubt and how have you have you continued to struggle with doubt and how do you manage that now in your life yeah well first you have to let yourself cry about it just like if you're a crier if crying is the thing for you like let it happen and do a lot of it like honestly I really thought one day I'm gonna get to the point where I can tell the story without crying and I think I have maybe once or twice and I I really like was like you know one day it will really just become numb and I'll just it will be such a mundane story that I can tell without crying but like you know, if it's a big enough experience for you, like, and crying is something that, you know, just let yourself cry, but it's fine. That's part of it. And that's how you can, you know, it's part of dealing with it, like do it. Um, and when that's done, (laughs) you know, then you can, um, it's helpful. It's helpful to talk about it with someone, uh, or write it down. Um, you know, just to like get the thoughts out there. Um, and then, and then talk with people who have been through the same thing or, you know, listen to songs about it or read books about it, whatever is helpful to you. Seek out different methods of doing that. For me, you know, it was, it was helpful to talk to people who, it was both helpful to talk to people who um, once believed in God and now don't and people who never believed in God and who are like, this is how I've lived my fulfilling, happy life without ever having that concept. And I feel okay about that. And maybe you can feel okay about it too. You know, it's, it's interesting to just hear all sorts of people's perspectives about it because there will always be answers if you're looking for them. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think just cry and and talk to a lot of people and and watch YouTube videos and movies and documentaries and whatever whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever struggle with doubt about your life, about what you want to create and the possibility of it being you being able to make what you want to create in the world possible? And how do you manage that? Um, yeah, I, I doubt it all the time. Literally, like I'm living in a, in a, I'm living a life that's like not what I want to be living because of that, because I'm like, how do I make this happen? Right. Um, yeah. So I doubt it all the time. Both. I, I doubt how I can make it possible and I doubt whether I, um, should pursue that. Yeah, both because it's like, am I the right person to do this? Is it right for me to do this work? Um, yeah, so there's there's so many things that I that are unanswered for me that I'm still working on in terms of creating that life for myself. Um, yeah, and, and in terms of how I move forward is, yeah, just to keep asking those questions. There's just, 
honestly, this, this journey is just so long for me because I'll be like, oh yeah, this is the next advancement. And then I'll say like, okay, but what about this? No, like that's not going to work out. How do I make this happen? And there's just, it's very exhausting. And some days it's just like, you're fully like, I'm done. <laughs> and I'll do something else that's easier. Um, but yeah, if it's if it's something that you feel really called to do, you feel really strongly about, just keep asking those questions and be kind to yourself. Honestly, like, I don't know. I really feel like, I keep comparing myself to my mom, for instance. And I'll say like, I'm 25. Like she was like through teacher's college and like had her career figured out at 26 and like she was married and like all this stuff like had the life that she wanted at this point and I'm like I'm doing nothing I feel like I'm wasting my life away um yeah um but yeah you know every person's path is different and we come to different things in our life at different times and that's totally okay and just like yeah be patient but keep working and um Things will happen. Just, yeah, be really kind to yourself and um, slow but steady wins the race, I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> this might seem like a, a strange question, but you seem to have an internal drive or motivation or it's even a belief, I would say, that there's something more if you just keep moving forward. Where do you think that comes from? I honestly don't. I'm not sure where that comes from. Yeah, like for me, it's a, there is a drive that like something is better on the other end, I guess, because I've seen that happen for people and that is the story that I want to believe and I go with that. Um, I literally had someone ask me the other day, like, how are you so happy all the time? How do you do it? And I was like, first of all, I'm not happy all the time. Maybe that's what you see on social media, but like, I'm not. Um, And I don't know. I think there are a lot of factors like, a lot of it has to do with how I was raised and also like my cognition and the fact that like I will acknowledge I'm coming from like a very privileged background and like biological makeup and all of those kinds of things. So I think that definitely plays an important role. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, but but I've but I've observed terrible things happen um, and know that they happen to people and like for for reasons that like don't make any sense at all. Um And then you ask yourself, like, why does this happen? And, like, you know, will things ever get better kind of thing? Um, Yeah, I don't know. It it, honestly, it comes down to, like, whatever story you want to believe in. And you just have to make a choice. Like, what is the story that you want to believe in? And what what story do you want to write for your life? Do you want to write the story that's, like, things are going to be bad, they're not going to get better, and the world's going to hell, and, like, that's just where we are? Sure, if that's the story that makes sense to you and, like, that you take comfort in, fine. But like, that's not the story that I want to both write for my own personal life and that I want to believe in for the wider world. So it's not the path that I'm going to pursue and it's not the outlook that I'm going to have. That's just a, a decision that I made. And um, and yeah, I think that it kind of comes down to that in the end. Um, and you can just keep working towards it no matter how many obstacles are going to come in your way, you know? So... And it, it can be really hard, but I've seen people come against terrible obstacles and they've come out the other side. And it's honestly amazing. And you wonder if you were in that position, if you would do the same thing. Because I kind of look at it and I'm like, I probably would have given up, really. I would probably not be here anymore. Um, yeah, but but if they can do it, like, I can do it too. And yeah, it's just the decision that I've made for myself 
I don't know where it comes from, but it's there. <laughs> but what I think is really interesting about that is I think one thing that a lot of people struggle with is the idea that they don't have a choice. And what you're saying is that you see everything as a choice, <laughs> you know, that you have or that we all have to frame life in the way that you want to frame it. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, well, there are, there are going to be things that you don't have a choice over, like, there are so many things that I would change about my situation in the world um, that I don't feel like I have the capacity to change, especially not on my own. Um, yeah, but all you can do is like, it's so funny. So <laughs> in Frozen 2, there's like this song called The Next Right Thing. And it's just talking about like, even though things are really hard and terrible, the only thing you can do right now is just the next right thing. Like choose this one thing that you can do and do that and like just keep going um yeah so that's sort of that's how I feel there will always be yeah there are so many things you can't control and you won't be able to control uh and you might not be able to create the oasis of the life that you want or the paradise of the world that you imagine for for the world um but you can you can make small differences where you can and those can turn into bigger differences it won't be perfect but for me i i don't think that means you shouldn't try you know so So I want to ask you now a question that I ask every guest, which is about the definition of faith. So the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines faith in three ways. So as a duty or an allegiance that you have to something, as a belief or trust in something that is bigger than yourself, or as something you believe or know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I want to put each each part of that definition to you as a question. So for you, Rachel, what do you feel you have a duty or allegiance to in your life? Um, yeah, I guess I feel like whether it's right or wrong, I don't have any like logical proof for why this should be an allegiance or a duty, but I just strongly feel a duty to love other people. Um yeah, there are limitations, obviously. Boundaries is an important thing that we all need to respect about ourselves, something that I am really working on for sure. Um, but it's something that I feel strong, like strongly allied to. Um, yeah, and it's so interesting, actually. So in Unitarian Universalism, the fourth principle is a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. And the word responsible is so important in there. Like, So a free search for truth and meaning would be like, think and question everything and it it doesn't matter what knowledge is you come up with but like having that word responsible is like the the questions that we ask are important and we have a responsibility to ask and search for certain things that like for me it means like we are responsible to each other and we are responsible to the world and our connections and like our search is responsible to that at all times so that's for me like that's always been true um and that is something that I feel like a strong allegiance to for sure yeah yeah what do you believe in or trust that is greater than yourself yeah I guess I just I guess I just trust that concept or believe in that concept of love um 
even though there are times when it's not there, even though sometimes the people who love you or you you felt loved by betray you or hurt you, um, even when that happens, love is still there. There will be other people that will love you. There will people. There will always be people that will love you imperfectly. Um, but and it's always going to be there, and it's something that that I believe in, and also that concept of like change is constant. Change will always be there. Things will will move and change and grow, and that is something that you can always count on. Yeah. And what is something that you believe or know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Um, I honestly. I thought about this question a lot. Yeah. And I really, (laughs) like, I feel like I'm always being like, even when I'm like, this is what I believe, but I don't know if it's real. Like, I honestly feel like that's my stance on everything. Like, what, yeah, I don't know if there must be something that I'm like, so affirmatively strong in that could, that I could never question. Um, But I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. You're still searching. I'm still searching. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. So do you have a practice that you do on a regular basis that helps you stay connected to your sense of faith or hope? Um, So it's not something that I do intentionally as a spiritual practice, but like it is a spiritual practice to me. Um, For me, singing is a, a spiritual practice because, well, for me, a spiritual practice is something that aligns your mind and your body and your heart or your spirit or however you want to understand that. Um, and it and it's something that you do that brings that all in together and that also sort of connects you to what's happening outside of you. Um, and for me, singing is that. So it's it's something that I do with my body, but I'm engaging my mind, like I'm thinking about what I'm singing or what I'm doing. Um, Or I'm just having thoughts pass as I'm singing. And um, if I'm doing it intentionally and I'm focusing on the lyrics or on how the song is like making me feel or like how I'm performing the song, then it's a a unity of like me with the story of the song and the person who wrote that song, their experience and, and what the song is saying. And it puts me in a position where I'm feeling the emotions of someone else. And it's, so it's uniting me with that person and that story and that experience. So, yeah. Yeah. And so has that been something that's been with you your whole life or is that something that has more recently come into your life or? Um, I think it's, it's been with me my whole life. I haven't understood it in such a way as I have recently. Um, yeah, it was something that I learned through a lot of, I learned about like a lot of different people's experiences through music, but I never, um, I never thought of it that way until more recently. And now it's like, especially performing when you're performing and when you're like planning a performance, you have to go through the song and like, think about what this is saying and like, align your mind like allow your mind to be so engrossed in that and then like let it out how your body and your like soul is feeling that song so yeah that that especially puts you into um the groove and I do that a lot more now like now that I'm in this um barbershop group and we're performing these songs we really have to dig into as a chorus we have to dig into okay what is this song saying what does it mean and like how are we gonna show that as a group and that sort of thing so um it's definitely something that I engage in a lot more intentionally now than I did in the past yeah and what do you think it brings to you for me it just it brings me a greater sense of understanding of other people's experiences um and just yeah a, a wider empathy for 
for others and, and other experiences. And, and it also uh, helps me to understand myself more. Um, and there will be songs that like I haven't sung or thought about in a long time. And then I encounter them again. And that song has a totally different meaning to me now. So it can be a great way to better understand your own experiences and what you're going through. And also to connect with other people's experiences as well. I want to ask this question for all the people out there who are saying, I can't sing, so I can't do anything like this. And so what do you have to say to that sort of, or what do you have to say to that self-consciousness that people have or that doubt that people have in their ability to sing? Well, okay, in terms of using singing as a spiritual practice, it definitely doesn't matter what note you're hitting. Like, that's totally, totally irrelevant. Like, you can just be alone in your room. As long as your voice is like, you're using your voice to express the music and you're, you know, relatively following along this with the story with your voice, that's all that matters. It's not going to matter what's that really sounding like and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, that that won't matter at all. Um, yeah, and I've always been such an advocate for, like, community choirs that don't audition. I do not, like, I have a lot of music friends that are so snobby about, like, people who aren't on key and whatever, and, like, I was in a non-audition choir for years, and it was important that I wanted to be in that choir, because it's so, those atmospheres are, like, why I sing in the first place. I'm not there, like, yeah, I enjoy the, the precision and the accuracy and, like, you know, getting the music right and making it sound harmonically very interesting. That's super fun for me, for sure. But I also love, like, people coming together to just sing and unite our voices and, like, have a fun time. Music can be really fun. So, yeah, that's really important to me. I was in this choir um, with the Multi-Faith Center, and it was a it was a choir that we, we sang songs about, like, either... It was pretty much, like, world music from, like, all around the world and songs about peace and justice and that kind of thing. So... We were singing songs in lots of different languages and like also songs that were like had a lot of soul in them, had a lot of heart um, about loving and about fighting for justice and that kind of stuff. And there were just random people in this choir, like people that had never sung before, people who are from cultural and religious traditions that singing is not a part of that were in this choir and it was so great for us all to be together and like learn about all these different experiences together and like feel how does that story how can we embody that in in ourselves and like and that kind of thing so yeah it was it was a great experience and I was like you know we may not sound so lovely but it doesn't matter because like the heart we put into it and the experience that we have learning the music and singing it together is what's important about it so yeah so try it because it's not about a product. It's about the process. It's about the process, 100%. It's about how it makes you feel. It's about engaging your body and the the outcome or this cultural idea of like what music and harmony should sound like is not important in terms of using music as a spiritual practice at all. So, yeah. Yeah. So go for it. Yes. <laughs> go for it. Please. Singing is so healing and so joyful. Oh, that's great. And you can find Rachel Hearn's Spiritual Practice, Mindful Singing, in the Spiritual Practice Library at keepingfaithpod.com, where you can listen to her guide you through it and try it out for yourself. Keeping Faith is produced by Ron Kelly and Marin Smith. Our music is by Ron Kelly, and our design is by Barbara Kowalski. 
If this episode spoke to you, you can subscribe or leave us a review. But more importantly, pass it along to someone you care about. It's one way we can encourage each other to keep faith. Next week, I'll be talking to Megan Biella about how stumbling upon meditation while hospitalized for an eating disorder restored her faith in her body and changed the course of her life. So until then, holding you in hope and faith, I'm Marin Smith. See you next week.